Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, we just watch shouldn't exist in the world. Just like that. Honest, like, honestly, I enjoyed it. Which is a <laughs> groundbreaking challenge. Kind of man in a tree. I'm going to let you lead the episode, <clears throat> Tim, or at least the intro. Watch it. Watch this, everyone. Here I go. Welcome to the worst idea of all time, and just like that season, <clears throat> episode 10. Tim's full of beans. Guy Montgomery's down and out with the flu, and we have a very special guest. She's a world-famous comedian who you've seen live at the Apollo on 8 out of 10 Cats. She's an author who you know from her book that came out this year, Strong Female Character, and she's also a podcast host on her BBC show, Wheel of Misfortune. We've got Fern Brady. Oh. <laughs> Hello. I'm so happy I've been allowed on to talk about this. This series has been great, hasn't it? <laughs> it's not that you've been allowed on, Fern. We weren't withholding this opportunity from you. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you, and I'm totally with you. I think this series has been great. Um, for context, I watched this episode with a with a fever of 39.1 degrees Celsius, and it's the closest I've come to not being able to enjoy, and just like that, season two, the whole run. Um, you probably missed out on a lot of the amazing dialogue because I just watched it for a second time and uh, realised I'd missed stuff the first time. They played a word association game in this one. Oh, my it God. It was awful. Did you see that? Do you remember that? <laughs> I'll just remind you. It's that hard. You know, uh, I, I I thought I was going to... Oh yeah, please, please. So they play a game where uh, Carrie makes everyone say fear, possessiveness, limits, and they're all just looking at each other around the dinner table. That's skipping ahead. Oh my God, I think we've watched different episodes. Is that Fuck. the last episode? Okay, it's... <laughs> shit. <laughs> Fuck. It's the dinner part. It's okay. It's the last supper part two. We've, okay. But I've seen the one before. Ah. We've watched part one. Okay. Well, you've seen, you've seen it all. So you've just watched the finale for the second time. And 
that's going to make for a slightly delicate conversation because I would describe what's contained in that episode as spoilers. Uh, <laughs> we've been building to this the whole time. Do you want us to jog your memory on what happened? Yeah, yeah. What jogged? What what happened in uh, the Last Supper Part One? Yeah. I'll try and go down the stuff I remember off the top of my dome. Um, Carrie and Aiden are happy and together. And they go and visit Steve in Coney Island, who started a hot dogs and oyster. Can I, can shack? I uh, just pause the recap? I, when I was in New York this summer, just been, I went to that literal spot. I went to Coney Island and I bought a beer from that exact shop. Oh, this <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. That's the universe pulling you together into the into the world. That's pretty crazy. Um. We've got so okay. Eventually, Aiden um, gets a call from Kathy, his ex, uh, because Wyatt has kind of flipped out. He rung Aiden. He was like, "Mom's being a bit." No, wait. Yeah, they're American. Mom's being a bitch, yeah. and um, so he goes to the farm uh, away from his mum. He's fourteen years old. He gets drunk, <laughs> steals the truck, crashes the truck into a tree. <laughs> Breaks his collarbone and his leg in two places. And um, spoiler, at the end of the episode, Aiden is crying into the phone saying that he should have been there for his boy. Was that that heavy for you guys? That felt heavy to me. No, it was funny. Why was he crying so hard? (laughs) I'll let Fern tackle this. Why was he crying so hard? (laughs) (laughs) I think think because his teenage son had just... Fucked his body up in a drunk driving accident. I think is why he was crying so hard. <laughs> his crying was crazy. I didn't like. It was too much. But he didn't even cry that much when she cheated on him with Beck, which is also quite bad. She didn't cry. Aiden's never cried that hard. <laughs> I just thought it was a bit silly. But no. But you're making me sound. Guy was upset because of this sort of <clears throat> fatherly connection. Okay. And I could get in trouble. I, d- I was upset by I the didn't crying. have the comparison point of how hard he cried. I mean, I, I still think it, it wouldn't be a shock if someone cried harder when their child was very badly injured than when someone they didn't have a child with broke up with them 20 or whatever years ago. Not that that wouldn't be upsetting, <laughs> but I. Uh, you know, also I couldn't get a gauge on how I felt about this episode. I was kind of coming in and out. So, but that that I was like, oh man, that's sad. And obviously, it represents. And you already know what happens here, Fern. But this is um, it, it feels to me like they've brought Aiden back for a run of episodes and to give Carrie a sort of opportunity to fully move on from Big. And they're gonna just dis- dismiss him in this next Last Supper episode. Not dismiss him. I think he's gonna dismiss himself. He's saying, I can't live in New York. I got too much going on here. Yeah, and he was always drawn to the countryside because he had his cabin in the woods with the squirrel in the original series. So it's already it makes sense if Aiden goes back. But that that's mm. not exactly what happens in the last episode, but I suppose I'd i better not tell. Yeah, please, please hold on to your hold on to your knowledge and hold on to your hats. I appreciate the carefulness. And also, <clears throat> Fern apologies if I talk over you, the internet connection's a little bit um crazy. So. Yeah, I really it's not always me being an asshole. Sometimes it will be, but 50% of the time it's the internet. No, I, re- I only just realised there's a massive delay. Say la vie. We will sail on. Um, the other things that are going on in this episode, Lisa Todd Wexley. Now, that now we're talking heavy. I, I couldn't give a 
this Talk is heavy. She gets a um, extension on her mini documentary into a ten-part series with PBS, and then she gets pregnant, and then she has a miscarriage, and then we don't really see what happens after that. It just sort of ends. Well, she was she was already pregnant before she got that series, and we also see her calling out Herbert, who is emerging as the villain of the series for not getting a vasectomy eight years ago when he said he was going to get a vasectomy. <laughs> That is pretty poor form. <laughs> what was your read on that, Fern? So I've been thinking a lot about um, her character in general. Basically, it was really well-intentioned that... Because they're, they're obviously trying to make up for the sins of the Sex in the City film where um, they had one uh, black person in it who was like, my very own handbag. <laughs> um, so they're trying to make up for that by having four non-white... Um, people with their own storylines and it sucks because I really don't, I struggle to care about Lisa and the lawyer what's the lawyer called? Seema No, no, I'll get oh. on What's up, uh, Naya Yeah, so um, Seema and uh, Che I'm quite engaged with because they're such unlikable characters that constantly get in their own way. Whereas the other two are just perfectly nice women and I can't really see them ever becoming good friends with the rest of that group. Um, so it just, I, don't, I just, it feels like they're in their own TV shows almost. Wow, that is a remarkably articulate way of describing something that I haven't quite been able to put my finger on. But it's also, it's not to say, it's also like, why would they be friends, you know? Yeah. Everyone else who's got all of this, this, the underlying complexity of not being a perfectly rounded person, it makes sense that they gravitate towards these, these women as friends. Yeah. But you do find yourself wondering sometimes, why are they hanging out with these women? They can do so much better. Yeah. Guy, what was the experience like for you being in this high temperature fever dream watching the Shay storyline in particular oh. for this ep? Oh, because we saw some stand. Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. I took issue with um, <laughs> with the cl- uh the, I don't know. I didn't like it, and I knew I wouldn't, but I didn't like it, and I also couldn't really watch it the way I like to watch Shay stand up, which is um feeling like I'm on top of you know like, most times I'm watching the show, I feel like I'm watching the show, but this time I felt like the show was happening to me, and I couldn't get my bearings, <laughs> um. I would usually write out Shay's whole whole set so I could read what they'd said and um, really sort of see what the rhythm of the jokes are. But I just could I didn't take any notes this episode. And honestly, this is this is a reflection of how poorly I was feeling. I was mostly just empathising with Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's it was it was really that sucks, bro. <laughs> But it was stand-up as seen from a normal person's perspective, whereas we, we're used to watching stand-up from a stand-up's perspective, where the stand-up's yeah. the cool person. <laughs> but um, my, my friend Alison was saying that uh, Che, uh, some, someone on the writing staff of And Just Like That has dated a comedian and it's gone badly. That's definitely what's happened. <laughs> Absolutely. I also thought I was really taken by um, uh, Shay watching clips of themselves, watching an old clip of themselves uh, performing stand-up uh, when they were a woman. Yeah. 
and like that stand up was really bad as well. And I sort of was putting it in context. And I was like, well, that makes sense because you're still resolving your own identity within you. But then when you watch Shay's stand up as they are now, I'm like, you haven't actually developed, you know, you haven't developed as a comedian. The, the material and what you're drawing on is just as bad. I think you two are being too harsh. I think that stand-up was fine and kind of normal and sort of what I would expect from a stand-up comedian who had just been through a big breakup and was sort of re-entering the stage and having to draw upon their experiences for material. Mm. It felt it felt like real life to mm. me. Shay's grown on me a lot. I'm They're my favorite character of this oh. episode. They're upset oh, it. Wow. What do, you think, what do you think of that? That's crazy. What do you... What do you, okay, well, let's unpack the whole Miranda watching the, the set situation then. What do you think about Miranda's decision to go to that show without telling Shay? Is is Miranda inviting trouble? Well, I want to hear from Fern on this. Something that really uh, surprises me that I've, I've just thought of now, this isn't Miranda's first negative encounter with stand-up within the Sex and the City universe because there was an episode where uh, she goes to watch stand-up with a guy and then the guy gets a phone call, the stand-up takes his phone off him and it was, it's the man's wife calling. And uh, then the guy says to Miranda, Red, I'll still fuck you. And Miranda leaves the club crying. So it's really strange that she's <laughs> been drawn back into the world of stand-up. It's not a world that's friendly towards her. Because <laughs> they're showing the program through Miranda's eyes. We don't know if that's the true perception of what the stand-up is. Like, it would have been cool if they'd shown uh, Che's perspective of how their stand-up was going. Because I think Miranda just takes it badly. <laughs> well, we should have asked this question 10 minutes ago as well, Finn, but what is your previous relationship with this franchise right large? And I will say... Um, on this podcast from guy in my perspective the tv show is not canon um it, as we know it for sex in the city for us it goes there's two movies and then there's and just like that but i i understand that a tv show did exist so what's your previous connection to these characters uh, i'm just trying to wrap my head around what you said that the tv show is not canon so you've not <laughs> seen the tv show you've only seen the films it just doesn't seem relevant Wow, wow, okay. Um, what's my relationship to the TV show? I watch it every week and it's um, every time, at the end, every time she says, and just like that, I ordered another cocktail or, or whatever she says at the end, I feel like uh, Michael Patrick King is saying, here you go, pig, have some more pig swill. Uh, are you enjoying this? <laughs> That's how <laughs> I just feel like an idiot for continuing to watch it. And they've drawn me in with uh, hey, this series. Did you watch the TV show, the, the original HBO series back in the day I when you were growing it. up? No, I wasn't allowed to watch it growing up because my family's religious maniacs. Um, so I watched it in my 20s and I now know everything there is to know about it, I think. That was why I was referencing uh, Miranda's previous experience in a stand-up club which you obviously don't know about and also you you're referencing aiden crying when uh carrie cheated on him well, uh, I... yeah so you you i mean you it's interesting actually to think about 
just to because the these characters were never any better than they are right now for us. If anything, the characters that we're dealing with have improved with time because I'd say probably Sex and City 2 was the height of how bad they could be. And so we're watching this quite late in life, very incremental improvement towards a baseline of human decency. But you've watched a steady degradation of, yeah, I suppose, you know, so reasonable when the, Well, the only way that the program is in any way bearable is uh, because you know who the original characters were and you know them in their purest form where... They, they were all just people trying to work on their careers and have a relationship. And now they're these vile, like, ultra-rich, um, elite New York people that um, they're just, like, the worst people ever. But I still have a connection to who they were in the series. <laughs> so I continue on with it. Yeah. That's like um, people who still like Kanye West. Mm. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, we bet. <coughs> well, let me ask you this, Fern. A character who's got, in my opinion, a pretty fun arc in this episode, the part one one of this two-part finale, mm -hmm. is Charlotte, who has discovered that now that she's got a job, the family falls apart and constantly is bombarding her with phone calls and text messages to ask where the remote is or whatever the fuck. Rock forgets their notebook at school. The parents have got to drop everything to get this notebook back. It's not happening, though, because Charlotte's back at work and selling a painting for $100,000 to Sam Smith and then does and gets shit-faced with the, um, her co-workers at the gallery. And that, this feels, without having seen it, this feels like a kind of an attempt at return to form. This is, uh, as we know him, Mattress Pikelet King, as you know him, Michael Patrick King, saying, here you go, piggies, drink up. Here's a bit of a um, nostalgia brew for you. I don't know why they put Sam Smith in it in that fetching blue outfit. <laughs> that was awful. Um, yeah, that was... Uh... I also don't really buy that Charlotte would be frantic about helping her kids out at school because she'd have loads of staff. Um, there's, there's a lot of changes with the characters, though, that make the whole thing feel uncanny. So, my second favourite character in this episode is Anthony, because of what's going on with him, yeah. and that the, the, the gay male world has turned without him moving. He is now this outdated dinosaur who refused to be versatile and is um, only a, a top and uh, this is really impeding his relationship with um, Giuseppe. Is that his name? Uh, let's oh, say that's his I've name. I've forgotten it's the name of his smoking like hot poet. I just think of him as the Roman poet. But um, it's. I wonder if the actor that plays Antony asked for a better storyline because he's he's really had he's such a good actor and he's had to put up with so much shit all through the series. Then the film with the Liza Minnelli thing and he just has to go with Stanford because they're both gay. And then he runs a, a bakery with just hot men. So he's obviously said, listen, I want something meaty and political. Uh, we're going to completely flip the script on what you've given me before. Um, yeah, because they had that whole thing about old gays versus young gays. Yeah. What's your take on it? What are you... I just like... 
<laughs> I think I just feel like that's a that's a very accurate point. And then just when I feel like they're letting Anthony spread his um his his gay wings and maybe even his ass, uh, they've reintroduced like a historic you know, they're like, No, 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 you don't get your own present storyline. We're just gonna tether you back to Stanford. Which comes out of absolutely nowhere. It's like I understand they're trying to honor the actor who played him, but it's honestly been so long. Like that happened at the start of the first season. It's so random and obscure <laughs> to reintroduce Willie Garcia or Stanford being like, oh, and by the way, just for everyone who's had this hanging over them for the, you know, 21 episodes of this show. Yeah, he's a monk in Japan now. So <laughs> that's what's going on there. Yeah, that one really annoyed me because I'm sorry that like um, Willie guy died, but the audience <laughs> doesn't care. So I don't want that to be brought into my. <laughs> I was really annoyed at that. <laughs> like they they could have done they could have shared that picture amongst themselves on set that day instead of forcing it onto me. I'm making myself sound really cold because I've completely. <laughs> I um. It was so weird, and the only thing I th could think of is it's the people who make the show. Um, a guy died in real life, and they really threw him under the bus by making his storyline that he suddenly ran away from his husband. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to go to Japan to pursue a life doing TikTok for no, a pop was, star. Of yeah, he was, he was managing someone's TikTok account. Yeah. <laughs> And so they were like, first off, that is a crazy thing to do. If an actor dies in real life, don't write the character out as a villain. It's so unfair. It does kind of line up with the original Stanford in the series, though, because he used to be the manager of a... He managed an underwear model uh, that he went on to date. So they, they've... I know I'm not supposed to reference the series, am I? But that, that kind of lines up. What storyline would you have had for Stanford? To what to incorporate his death? Yeah, I guess you couldn't kill him. This was the problem. Ordinarily, you you would you would have him pass away so that you could have this sort of meta uh, grief process for the fandom. But they had just killed the character of Big, so yeah. you can't just keep killing dudes on the That's show. Right. I, I guess. So in the world of the show. They killed the guy that should have been cancelled, and they cancelled the guy that should have been. Whoa! <laughs> hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I forgot he was Hot air balloon operator in Berlin. Mm. Well, the the shows. I mean, didn't they absolutely hit that out of the park? Like they they launched the series. The news broke exactly as it came out, and within an episode, he was gone. And she was sort of grieving the idea of him, but like the whole show managed to get on with itself pretty impressively. Because it doesn't, it doesn't really. I mean, I'm, I, you know, what do I know? You know how they say? I think it's in this episode was big a big mistake. Oh yeah. It's because they're it's because they're trying to cancel him, like really doubly cancel him. Anyway, sorry, you were saying something. Yeah, the but yeah, the big was was big a big mistake was from a a while ago, um, or like one maybe maybe one or two more episodes ago. Oh, I'm really but sorry. It, this episode it is really and it's not at all it's really it is setting the table because it's a reminder of just how many characters they've introduced in the series and they're making sure that all of them just get a little bit of a glimpse in so that when they're picked up and inspected again in the last supper part two we aren't caught off guard being like why is naya here all of a sudden or why is this or that yeah um they are, in fact, setting the table for The Last Supper. But what I like is that <clears throat> throughout this episode, except for the very end, and this is how I think the show should have run, and this, I've, they've just announced season three's coming, so this is how I hope they continue with season three. Carrie is a nucleus around which the protons of all these other characters uh, circulate, but apart from kind of the, the the very last bit of the episode where she has some stuff with Aiden, who's struggling with the fact that he's a dad who needs to be there for his kids and he can't be because he's in this relationship on another part of the country with Carrie. Um, Carrie's kind of irrelevant, and I like this for her. It's like I think that's a smart thing to do on the show. It's like we had this TV show and two, we had a TV show where it went well, where she was sort of the structural central pillar. And it was following her flawed persona and storyline of, of personal growth and trying to make it in, in the Big Apple. And then we made two movies, which were a huge mistake. And now we've got this opportunity where we sort of like explore the rest of the universe that isn't just this self-obsessed person, but we've got other people existing in this kind mm. of pseudo-feminist, sex-positive, um, cosmopolitan atmosphere. And I was like, fucking roll with that. And then I was kind of gutted when at the end it came back to Carrie. And now I'm very fearful, and Fern, you've got insider knowledge um, about what happens in the final, final bit of this. And I, I just fear it's going to be Carrie-centric. And sorry, Chris Parker, I'm still not a fan. 
Kerry, um, yeah, it's, it definitely is going to be Kerry-centric because SJP's too instrumental behind the scenes for anything else to happen. We know, we know Kim Cattrall is going to appear. We know Fern we're going to get a glimpse of Samantha Jones. And I do wonder with the announcement of season three. What's that? Uh, sorry, this delay is a nightmare. Um, yeah, I have I have notes, so, so many notes on the final episode, and I'm devastated because I watched the wrong one. Can it? Can I say anything about uh, the uh, Chase alien girlfriend? Went up. Oh, to- Toby. Toby. I don't know their name. Bold lassie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. What would you? Yeah. What would you like to say? You're gonna you're gonna see more of them, them two together. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. That's not a surprise because that after after Shay's set and the the big fight with Miranda on the street, Toby shows up and is like, "Feel all your feelings," and also then Shay's like, "I left my two notebooks at the club. Ah, oh, fuck it, I'm not going to get them." It's like, that's nah. not what you do. Nah, that's fucked for multiple reasons. <laughs> Number one, all your jokes are in there. Number two, you're going to prison if anyone finds your notebook with set lists in it. Mm. That is just unrealistic. The, well, this, this is just about the show generally. Do, do Che and Miranda make sense to you as a couple compared to what happened in the films with Steve and Miranda? Does it make sense to you that they ever got together? I love that question. Uh, it makes sense that they. It makes sense that they would have hooked up. It makes sense that they, uh, you know, had a had a flirtation that led to sex. It doesn't make sense that they would pursue it as a relationship. Right. What do you think? Uh, it doesn't make any sense at all because Steve fingered her really well throughout the series. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't it's never made any sense to me she's always talking about how amazing he has his sex so I could understand if it was a relationship where um, he's, he he was always useless and she was just with him for uh, money reasons and she had never had some sort of sexual awakening but it just doesn't line up at all uh, that's another thing that I feel is insulting about the show they've basically just given us Cynthia Nixon's life. Mm. Um, but I know a lot of people are saying that. <laughs> they have, though. I don't know anyone saying that. <laughs> oh, a lot of people. So what, people are frustrated. I mean, I was upset for Steve. Yeah. On the two years when we were watching the first and second Sex in the City movies, respectively, we... Um, we really built out a healthy storyline around um, the little bits of information we had about Steve and extrapolated it to a, a fulsome character where he was the mayor of New York and a big fan of um, spelling words. And it's quite devastating to see us build up this um, sort of comic book universe around Steve and then have it all destroyed by um, And Just Like That, where he's pretty... Daughtery. I don't know, villainous is probably too strong, but definitely on the wane as a character, would you say, guys? He just, he, he hasn't been treated fairly. It's, and it's always been sort of slightly dicey territory as we watch Sex in the City and just start advocating the whole time for 
Steve, you know, one of the fellas. But uh, I think in this, he, he, he kind of, I, I, oh, you go ahead, Finn. I'd, yeah, they did treat Steve with just no respect at all in the first series of, and just like that. But I do feel like they've handed him uh, a whole world of storylines with this new clam shack that he's opening up by the sea. I think a lot of stuff's going to happen. Harking back to what you said earlier, Fern, every, like, mm. they've opened so much up that it feels like they have created an extended universe and everyone's going to get their own show now. So we are going to get Shay's um, three stand-up specials <laughs> and a sitcom uh, that, that they are anchoring. We're going to get a cool, um, I guess it's another sitcom, maybe, maybe like a maybe Steve has to solve crimes in Coney Island while he's also managing the shack. There's just they've got so many balls in the air. And Charlotte do, do, with this kind of like here's the new genre, art gallery procedural. Every week a new celebrity comes in, she has to sell a famous painting to them and we get introduced to all these cameos and stuff. I think that'd be a lot of fun. What did what did you think of Sam Smith's acting in the in their cameo? It was it was, uh, it was, I was going to say terrible. That might be a bit harsh. It was about what it had to be. You know, this this season has quite transparently been um, stuffing itself with stars, gorging itself on people who are probably not quite at the height of their cultural relevancy, but are certainly still in everyone's consciousness. Well, like the and, Titanic. Sam did a fine job of showing up. Because <laughs> he was in it. I understand they reached out to the captain of the Titanic. The captain of the Titanic? The captain of the Titanic. Because um, Guy was saying they've had stars that aren't relevant anymore. And uh, they had the captain of the Titanic, some art guy, in another episode that gets Charlotte back into work. Oh... We've all got a different reference point for him. Tim recognises that guy from the TV show Alias, and to me, he's the law professor and legally blonde. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, to me, he will always be the... <laughs> the the boat into disaster. Yeah. If memory serves, because Fern, weirdly, I actually did a podcast last year called Did Titanic Sink, which is a conspiratorial podcast with a very good Australian comedian called Carlo Ritchie, who's obsessed with the Titanic, yeah. questioning whether that boat actually ever sunk. And if memory serves, from my one piece of research I did for the podcast, which was watching, again, James Cameron's Titanic, I think that guy was the designer. Yeah. He was the guy who, who tried to make it all safe. And I've forgotten his name and Carla's going to kill me. But then yeah. to cut costs, they got rid of them all. Anyway, I've got a very specific question for you, Fern, because there was something that um, jutted out at me at the start. And it's annoying because in addition to <laughs> championing Steve, one of the few fellas on, uh, in the movies and, and this and just like that, we also championed Brady, another cis dude, because we found a fellow <laughs> guy and we were like, <laughs> legend. Yeah. He has almost a cameo um, level of exposure in this episode where he rides up on a bike at the start where Carrie and Aiden go to visit um, Steve at the shack on Coney Island. And Carrie says, oh, the cherry on top of the Sunday to like go, thank God Brady's here. And then the scene cuts. Do you feel like there was more scene there and like it's it's been edited out? Uh, yeah, they've, they've been really bad in terms of... Uh 
not finishing any of Brady's storylines in this one. Um, yeah. Well, I think the the Brady and Lily love tryst is going to reemerge at the Last Supper. I forgot. Doesn't they never? Oh, oh no! Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! There's such unskillful storytellers. None of the kids' storylines are tied up in the end. There's... What's your read on Brady Fern? Huh? What do you think of Brady, Miranda's son? Uh, I think he's spoiled. Um, he's... Uh, I don't see any of Steve in him. I don't see any of Steve's resilience in him. Uh, and, I do, and I don't see any of the toughness that mm. led Miranda to becoming a partner in her own law firm by whatever age. Uh, I, I think Miranda's done a bad job of raising him because <laughs> he's very spoiled. <laughs> oh, this is a brutal one for the internet. Oh, Sorry, Fern. Can I quickly, before we get out of here, I just want to ask about some... Uh, well, first of all, I just wanted to take a moment to say that I really liked Charlotte's storyline in this episode and I liked seeing Charlotte show up pissed and um, being like, I was a person, fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> sort yeah. your shit out. I thought unironically in the world of the shows like that rocks yeah you you got your shit going on uh, i i i want to know about carrie's and carrie's always been i guess somewhat morally ambiguous but do you think if you were carrie and you've got this last supper coming up and you went to that gig with your old old great friend miranda and you got these limited seats at the table would you uninvite shay uh, yeah, that's what any normal person would do. But uh, Carrie and she inexplicably have this cosy relationship because they did one series of a podcast together that Carrie was only doing to try and stay relevant. <laughs> I think at IRL, yeah. Carrie, Carrie would have absolute disdain for comedians because Carrie harbours aspirations of being funny herself, right? A lot of female journalists are frustrated standing up. <laughs> They wouldn't be friends in your life. It's a very funny way to describe Carrie Bradshaw's character. What? Someone who has aspirations of being well, funny. I, I agree. Oh, you agree, Tim? Because you you loved Shay in this episode. Carrie is a frustrated comedian. She thinks that those columns that she writes are both funny and poignant. That's why they play a mischievous music over the top of it. And then she does, and just like that, her little flourish. That's her laptop. <laughs> Case closed. Another great column. She does. She does. I, I don't buy that she would ever have liked um, or maintained any contact with uh, Jay. I I am inclined to agree. And actually, hearing you talk about that reminds me. And this is something that's been totally abandoned, but was a real focal point. We spent a lot of time with Carrie, wondering and worrying over the publication of her book and how it would perform. We saw her hustling to get shout-outs and newsletters. We saw her dealing with a publicist, going to WidowCon. And I suppose it's true of the character because she's so wealthy. She's insulated from how it performs. But it just felt like they put so much energy into making us care about this book. And then whatever happens, whether it's succeeded or failed, it's like, ah, that doesn't matter. As someone who's had a, had a book out recently, there's no refreshing Amazon reviews. She's not checking her ratings on Goodreads. She's uh, not complaining about having to do bad 
bad publicity that she doesn't want to do. Um, so yeah, yeah, she doesn't mention it. And you and you'd think the book was important to her because it's all about big dying. But then was big a big mistake? So she kind of just wants to forget about the book. I suppose so. Well, to sort of wrap things up here, Fern, I just want to open the floor to you because you're in this unique position, which we didn't know that you'd be in coming into this, where you've seen, you've seen everything. Yeah. You've seen the whole damn thing. Yeah. I just would love to hear from you, like, what do you think of this thing? And just like that, particularly season two, as someone who, you know, was shielded from the original HBO show in your childhood because of conservative upbringing mm. and then got to like explore it and really get into it in your 20s and then revisiting this universe now. Like, what do you make of this fucking thing? Um, the show, this show, the only reason this show gets any views is because we now all watch a lot more TV and there isn't appointment viewing TV. Like the original Sex in the City was something people would put time aside to watch on a Thursday night or whenever it was on. Whereas this is really, every week that I watch it, I reflect on my blatant disrespect for my time on earth. Um, and even when I rewatched all of the first series, <laughs> <one yesterday, laughs> it really made me think uh, about how much time I waste. Um, the series though, it's totally, this one, there's not very much shagging in it. It's very uh, suitable for, for children, I'd say. I think they got more shagging into the second season than the first. Yeah, um, I mean, strap yourselves in for Dinner Party Part 2. There's, I have so much to say about that, and I'll never get to see it. There's a lot of bad sex. Oh. Oh. Tantalising. Yeah, Anthony loses his anal virginity, but... Sort of a devastating situation to be invited onto a podcast and then watch an episode and get all hot and heavy to be able to talk about it and then have it whipped away from you. So I'm very sorry that we <clears throat> were not clear enough on <laughs> where we were up to in the season, Fern. Apologies well, yeah, for that. I it was the finale and then I realised it was two parts. But um, I can't believe we managed to record anything with the delay. I feel so mortified at all the bits where I was cutting in and out. All that's going to be ironed out in post. We're going to fix it in the edit. It's, it's, going, to it's sound, going to really sing once I've had my wicked it's way going to sound it. Don't slick. you worry about that. Fern, it's such a delight to see you and to yeah. hear your uh, remarkable insights. Uh, if you ever want to correspond with this in our own time, uh, we can set up an email chain because uh, <laughs> God knows I'll want to talk to you once we've finished the season. Also, uh, are you touring at the moment? No, I'm going to start getting a show ready so I can go to Melbourne and hopefully New Zealand. But, um, yeah. Next year? Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely awesome. Uh, well, in the meanwhile, everyone can and should buy Fern's book, Strong Female <laughs> Character. It's out right now in all forms that you want And you were it. talking about checking your Amazon reviews and seeing it. I've exclusively seen obscenely positive coverage of this book you must feel remarkably proud i haven't read it yet but everything i've seen about it has been that this is a one-of-a-kind thing yeah definitely it's definitely not for comedians to read but um <laughs> one guy didn't like the book because he said he was from my town and uh, my town's quite a nice commuter town and it's not all bad what <laughs> interpret it as like a, a tourism yeah. dig 
he was worried about the local economy yeah. and covered incredible in incredible to think how much positive coverage the book has had and in your head you're like yeah but there's one guy who was from my town <laughs> <laughs> this is how it goes yeah well hopefully i'll see you when i'm over in melbourne if you're i'll be there a hundred percent that would be fantastic i hopefully will be too and just like that the three of them battled their way through terrible internet to complete the second to last episode for this season and just like that thanks very much fern see you soon and just like that it's the worst idea of all time and just like that they're at it again and having such a gay old time and just like that they're back got montgomery and timothy back and just like that it's the worst idea of all time 